Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Sir Dan. You got knighted. I did get since knighted since the last time yep. we talked. Congrats! It's, it's actually not That's that big. hard. That's huge. Okay. <laughs> you just fill out some forms mm-hmm. online. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we're we're three quarters of the way through a storm of swords. Uh, we've just finished a big John chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, next is an Arya chapter, but we haven't read it yet, so that's where we've stopped. Three quarters of the way through, no warm up today. Mm-mm. Luke, we gotta we gotta get into it. The reason why we have no warm up is I'm already a little turned by something that we read. Okay, so. We did end on a John chapter, but we also, there was a John chapter very early on where he gets back to the wall Mm -hmm. and he's like, hey, who's in charge? And they're like, oh, we, we put Sir Stout in charge because he's like the only knight that's left up here. And John's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. He is the only knight up here. And then he gives a little bit more flavor to who Sir Stout is. And do you remember what he says about Sir Stout? So it's. He is the one that's like 95 years old, right? Yeah, our boy is like over 90 years old. <laughs> and everybody's like, we should put him in charge for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. He has been a ranger for 80 years is what John says. So he is at least 95 years old. He could be older, right? Right. There's And at the end... When John finally does get put in charge. Yes. I think it's Maester Eamon, who himself is like over 100. <laughs> right. They could be the same age, honestly. <laughs> Says that like, he's like, yeah, maybe 20 years ago we could have put him in charge. But not now. The guy is not all there. Right. Right. John's talking about he's like falling asleep in his soup. And I get it. It is like a, <laughs> it's a beautiful metaphor for how terrible the night's watch is these days and like right how few people they even have to pick from but like i don't know you've got people that are under 75 years old right like (laughs) stop electing these old people i mean stop picking these old people to run shit (laughs) right yeah i the thing is though like actually who would it Oh, well, actually, okay. First off, who makes the decision in this, in this circumstance? <laughs> That's a good. I think question. it's supposed to be the guy, the the previous guy. Well, doesn't so it's like Mormont put this guy in charge. I forget. I forget his name. Marsh, I think. Bowen Marsh, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and then I'm assuming that he chooses. I, I, I think he was the one who chose he... that Stout would be okay. the one when he left. Yeah, it's just it's, yeah. I don't pick him. <laughs> You don't, you honestly, there's, you don't need to play politics anymore. Right, right. There's like a hand, literally a handful of you left. Maybe just talk it out and figure out who's the best person to do this job. Especially because right. John shows up and he's like, hey, blacksmith guy who seems to be super competent, you're in charge. And blacksmith guy is like, yeah, it's probably for the best. I'll do it. Right. Uh, Yeah. I don't know why we were like, Oh, it has to be a knight who's in charge of the knight's watch. Oh, maybe. You know what? That actually makes sense now that I think about it. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it makes sense. I think it's I think it's unnecessary. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like but all it, he should really be responsible for is like not pooping himself at that age. He he can be he can be in name, right? That's what I would have expected. It's like, okay, he's tech he's the figurehead in charge, but it's but seriously, it's it's blacksmith guy. It's Noy, which I think kind of is what turns out to be. Yeah, it is what what turns out to be true. But you have to have a clear chain of command, right? Like, right. That it's essential to be able to know who is actually making decisions. And until John shows up and is like, "Hey, can you do this?" The chain of command is to this ninety-year-old who might be dead already, just because. <laughs> right uh yeah it's bad it's bad news up there it's really bad up there y'all i mean we should give them credit a little bit because wow they've done a lot with nothing they have they did pretty well um in this fight against the the like group that john was with Mm -hmm. 
pretty good. The, the way it was written, even though like we both have read the books, yeah, and know generally what happens, even though it's been a while, mm-hmm. I was still like, "Do they lose here?" I know, <laughs> I know, because it seems like they have to, right? It seems like there's no way they don't lose here, right? But no, they man did a little. Was it Kevin McAllister, the little Home Alone kid? Mm-hmm. They hit him mm-hmm. with a little Home Alone action. Little little tricks. Mm-hmm. Tricky, tricky Night's Watch. That's what they're called. That's, that's their new name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, they do pretty well. Here's my question. Mm, okay. I struggle a little bit with how, with like specific numbers on this, but the wall is 700 feet high. Mm-hmm. And, and, they're shooting our arrows down. Yeah. And they're like aiming. Mm. Ooh. Is that even a thing? Can you even do that? This is like, like a... 700 feet. Okay, we should say a few things here. First, I don't know how much they're aiming, right? Like at one point, John's like, yeah, there's a lot. Just do arrows and they'll hit something probably. Right. So they're not, I don't think that they're picking out very specific targets. For the most part. Um, that said, they do specifically aim at like mammoths and giants. So I feel like the targets right. are a little bit larger there, which can help. But 700 feet, I didn't really consider the distances involved too much. But now that I think this is more than two football fields of distance. Yes. Just straight down. Vertical distance. Yeah. Yeah. That's... This is... Okay. I, I feel like... A floor, like of a building, mm-hmm. is probably roughly 10 feet. Yep. Yep. So this is the height of a 70-story building. Oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a whole lot. Can you imagine, too, being a wildling and having getting the order to try and fire up at them at the top? Yeah. And just looking at your <laughs> commander and being like, what are you talking about? Why? Why would I do it? Yeah, yeah. Damn, actually, though, what are they aiming at? And I don't even think you need bows, honestly. Just, like, throw stuff? Throw stuff, Like big. I got big rock. Big rock, start going very quickly. big, honestly. No. Snowballs. Give me some snowballs. Okay, well, I don't know about that, but... uh, (laughs) You could probably just, like, throw arrows, right? You could drop arrows if you're like, if you're aiming it like at the, I mean, granted at that point, it's like, okay, let's just use a bell, but. Right. Sure. (laughs) Maybe that's, maybe that's what it ended up being is first when they were figuring out how to defend the wall, Brandon, the builder was like, all right, so we're going to make it tall enough to where you don't even need a bow. You can just drop arrows and it will (laughs) destroy whatever is down there. And then the Night's Watch were like, okay, but can we use bows? And Brandon was like, I mean, I guess, but like, you don't need to. And then I thought yeah, for like, yeah, but we might as Don't well. To. Yeah. Point is, it's very tall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's extremely tall. Um, but okay. Speaking of speaking of the wall. Yeah. I don't have a specific note on this necessarily, but Bran gets to the wall, and goes to the night fort, and let me just say this chapter, phenomenal. Yeah. Where he's talking about all the spooky stories. He's talking about all the spooky stories. Yeah. Um, Sam comes up and we get a little spook. We finally get two of our characters like meeting each other again after a long time. Yeah. Well, they've never met, yeah. but like, yeah, yeah. And I think the coolest part of this scene to me actually is we get another example of like actual kind of high level magic. Where, of course, most of this story is not, like, is not magic related. And so it's just, like, that much more cool when we get a moment. Um, What happens earlier with Cold Hands and the Mm -hmm. Ravens. Mm -hmm. And then this one, they, like, go down this super terrifying well and meet up with a face from the old gods. And it, like, talks to them and teleports them. Very cool! I was into it. Does it teleport them? I 
I don't know if teleport's the right word, I guess. I thought it just opened up a hole so they could go under the wall. I know it opens up a sure. hole and they walk through. I thought they just went into a tunnel or something. That's probably true. Okay. But the face talk to them is the main thing. I agree with you, though. But I will push back a little bit because, like, people have been looking into the future a lot. And that's so magical. Right. Uh, like... <laughs> Like, it seems every other chapter, somebody's, like, seeing the future and being like, oh, yeah, uh, the mountain is going to take out Vargo Hoyt from Hall, Or, like, oh, yeah, Balan Greyjoy is going to eat it off a bridge from a yeah. faceless man or, or so- something like that, you know? Sure. This one felt different to me for some okay. reason. I agree with you. It does feel different because... And I, and I think it feels different in the way that whenever we get some, like, explicit magic stuff happening, it feels really, like, unique. It feels really rare, right? Yeah. Like, pre- predicting the future, not that cool. If we really think about it, like, <laughs> sure, you can see what's going to happen, but it doesn't change anything you're currently working on. You're just like, oh, I'm magic. But this is like, right. this is like, yeah, a bunch of ravens came down and fucked up these whites completely yeah. fucked him up and it was dope as hell or like yeah i found this secret tunnel that a tr- an ancient tree would only let me pass if i said the magic words and and was a night's watch it's like oh damn that's that's some real magic stuff we're working with i also think that this might be like the first real time that i'm like explicitly thinking of of the like old gods in the north doing stuff i think you're right i will say they've it seems like they've clearly been infiltrating people's dreams like whenever people will sleep with their head on a werewood they'll wake up and be like oh i think i just saw the future hold on was that the future (laughs) that's crazy a lot of future seeing yeah or like or like like uh seeing the what just happened somewhere far away yes yes that too that too so um yeah they've been doing the whole like future or concurrent site thing for a little while but this is definitely the first time where it's like wait maybe these guys are real right this is the first time where it's like oh the old gods yeah you probably should worship the old gods actually they're doing things we get to see the kind seven. Of minor, maybe, maybe, maybe somewhat minor things like opening a door, but still, uh, way more than we've seen the seven do. Which we don't need to go into <laughs> it from last episode. I think there's just more evidence here that literally every other religious system in this world is more worth worshiping than the seven. Right, right. So, um, I kind of want to talk about the red wedding, but if you have things to talk about before then, we should get those out of the way. Um, and let's get, let's go for it. My, my stuff might be, I might have other things chronologically before it, but, but let's do it. Okay. Um, first things first, Lord Frey needs to chill the fuck out with his foreshadowing. (laughs) He does a lot. Because if I get in there and he's talking about how the red will flow and all this stuff, and he's like laughing maniacally as he's talking about it. (laughs) And my wolf won't step foot inside the castle. I'm like, you know what? Actually, I am going to do my dinner out with my buddies. Like, I am going to do... How about we do dinner on the lawn? Ever think of that, Lord Frey? <laughs> what if we did dinner on the lawn? Could be cool. When he says the red will flow, it's like, why'd you phrase it that way? That seems like a weird way to phrase it. <laughs> Especially when he's so not- careful with all his other words and he's like constantly berating you. And then he says something like that and you're like... He must mean wine, right? He's got to mean wine. He's not still mad, is he? I usually, th- I usually say the wine will flow and not the red will flow, but and like I don't know. I get it. As far as like stunting, like he's stunting so hard on them, and everybody who knows what's up is like, "Damn, dude, you're going wild." <laughs> They're like, "Maybe chill," because he might catch on if you keep keep this up. Right. There's a lot of people in this room. I assume that know. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, this would actually be a good discussion i think who do you think knows who's in the room because i i'm having a hard time deciding um i think a lot of the like men who are warriors know 
Right, because they are the ones that like mechanically have to know to do it. Right, right. I, hmm. I'm trying to decide if the women I think a lot of people know because like, I, I think that what's her name the the young wife Rosalind. Yeah, even knows. Okay, this is what I'm trying to decide. Is I I do think they also know. I'm trying to decide why they would have told them though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. I agree. Um, because <laughs> they're all so distraught about it. Uh, yeah. And it's like, they had no part in it at all. Like the women there were literally just like to make it seem not weird. Like they didn't actively right. participate in any of it. They were just like crying the whole time. Cause some real bad violence was going to happen. Yeah. It was, it was, oof. Even, again, even knowing that it was coming, there is still so many times where I was like, ah, maybe he'll wriggle out of it know. this time. <laughs> I know. It's so brutal. It's honestly one of the most brutal things I think I've read in a fantasy book because it just well, th- it just crushes your hopes so effectively. Yeah. I will say... So, okay. I think I read these books last in like high school and then I had seen the show... And then this is my first time rereading them since mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the books, John is doing much, or sorry, not John. Rob is doing much worse than he is in the show. Uh, in the show, if I remember correctly, it's like, he's still kind of, kind of doing well mm-hmm. or like, okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but either way, like in the books, it was like, ad Rob's thing is kind of already over almost yeah but the thing is the thing that george does so effectively he's like all right here's the plan for how we're gonna like kind of stabilize and be doing okay and it's Mm -hmm. like oh you know what they could take moat caitlin oh and they're gonna team up with the with the reeds oh this sounds cool and you're like damn this is like a good plan like i'm excited for this plan and then the next chapter, it's like, you're not getting that plan, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Honest, honestly, the worst part is how close Arya is. Oh, I know. I know. I just found myself like imagining the joy of this reunion. Right? And uh, it's so tough. It's It's really brutal. Yeah. It's just, it just crushes so much of your hopes. And... I think we stopped at a really good spot here because I think, mm, right, Joffrey has also just died, which is, yeah. like, very satisfying. But it's still just, like, it doesn't bring you back to even, at least with me. I'm still just, like, man, I would have rather had them both be alive and still just, like, fig- figuring stuff out right. than Joffrey also die. Because it's, like, Joffrey's well, just honestly, not even like, worth it. I, the Joffrey thing doesn't matter. Right. For the like large scale politics of the, the situation, the Lannisters are still in charge. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. All of the other deaths are like very consequential in terms of what's going to happen next. And the Joffrey thing, I guess, is also, but mostly because of like, I don't know, things secondary to, to Joffrey's actual death. Right. Well, and Joffrey wasn't like the one holding any alliances together in a meaningful way. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Joffrey was just the king. He wasn't like the one that everybody was hype about. Which yeah. it is funny when um, Jamie gets to King's Landing and nobody seems to give a shit. And it's it was like last <laughs> week. Yeah. Um. Oof. Man, just I don't know. I don't know. The yeah. Red Wedding, just so so tough i also forget forgot that they like actually like killed all of his men as well yeah yeah they did in a very thorough way it was very uh methodical yeah i mean if you're gonna do it you got to uh i do i do want to talk to you a little bit about how you think the deal came about it's clear that like walder frey like lord frey had to send that first message to be like hey you want to do this but i'm curious like how how you think this actually played out when they were negotiating. Okay. So the, the, the three big groups are obviously Frey's Lannisters. And I think the Boltons are a big part of it as well. Yep. I, 
I can't tell if the Bolton thing happened once he got um once he got Jamie. I don't think so because that seems too recent and late. I'm assuming it was already in place before that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might be. It might have been. Because there's there's a scene like a while ago with Tywin. I think Tyrion walks in on Tywin and Tywin's like writing letters and he's like, I forget exactly what he says, but it's hinting that this is what he's writing. Correct. Yeah. And I assumed that that, that was to uh, Walter Frey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I think happened like pretty quickly after Rob married Jane. Um, Jane. Yes, I think so. So I think it was. I I feel like it was actually um, the Lannisters reaching out first would be my guess. Mm. You think Tywin was like, "Hey, I got an opportunity for you. I got a business proposition for you." I I think Tywin hears this mm. and. Since letter and is like, hey, that's kind of fucked up, right? <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. Okay. But what does Tywin offer is what I'm trying to figure out. He offers him like, like River, River Run. run? Yeah, I guess that's pretty good. Damn. Okay. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Do you think he also reaches out to Bolton? Do you think do you think Tywin organizes this whole coup where he's like, hey you guys, uh Rob's not doing so hot and we kinda crushing it down here. So yeah, I kind of do. Mm. I, it does feel like it's a Tywin move. Like it feels very much like it's a Tywin move. I, I do wonder though, because there's a lot of trust that has to happen that this is real. Mm-hmm. Like, especially between Roos, Bolton, and Frey. Because if one of them... Mm-hmm isn't actually going to do it, it is devastating for the other one. Right. Because it's like, oh, hey, this is actually... Frey's actually going to turn on you at this wedding, so be prepared for that, and we can totally take him out in one sweep. Yeah. Or vice versa. And it's like, hey, Bolton is not very cool, so <laughs> let's get him out of here. I, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, I do think it's a good time for them to do it considering how weak rob currently is yeah yeah we're just like the over this incentive is just so much more on the side of tywin well and it it also seems like there are almost no stark bannermen anymore like Arya's is going through the camp trying to find a single direwolf banner can't find yeah. one yeah and it's like wow rob doesn't really have a lot of like an army rob is like constantly trying to get people to give him troops um yeah i think that his army is like pretty small and he's counting on the phrase and the boltons yeah for his next move it's tough it's it's very tough <laughs> poor rob weddings are dangerous out there <laughs> it's true it's very careful tr- it's very true yeah yeah um okay speaking of the boltons Mm -hmm. i i have another question to ask you so the boltons are also an extremely old house yeah and have been known for like extreme cruelty and i don't know if evil is the right word but just like they're bad news yeah they've been bad news for like thousands of years yeah their banner is a flayed man their banner that represents them is like a torture scene. Right. Yeah. And they talk about, I forget who says this. Um, there's a little history lesson that among the like first men or something, the Boltons used to flay the Starks when they were like enemies. Yep. Which is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And my question is, what happens if you're like a nice Bolton? Yeah, I knew we were going <laughs> to go here with this. Like if Is you're it a Sam Tarly, to like go against the go against the grain a little bit, right? I I think Sam Tarly actually is a good example. Like imagine if Sam Tarly had been born a Bolton. Mm-hmm. I feel like they die. I feel like they die pretty early, maybe in an unfortunate yeah. accident of some kind. Yeah. You know, because it doesn't seem like there's much room for compassion or sympathy in the Boltons, right? At least, okay, ooh, this is interesting. At least with the current Boltons, right? Right. But, like, 
the leader is just the oldest surviving boy, right? Kind of, I'm assuming it's a little bit more complicated, but sure. But like maybe a hundred years ago, the Boltons were the sweetest people in the North, you know? And maybe we're just right. getting a snapshot of Boltons that are terrible, right? Maybe right now they live up to this like terrifying reputation, but I don't know, maybe a hundred years ago, they were just total sweeties and they were like, could we change the banner? I don't really love the <laughs> vibe of the banner. Yeah. The, okay. So the thing is, there's a, like, there's a certain advantage that the ruthlessness gives you. And like the fact that your family history and reputation is already terrible. Uh huh. There's like, I feel like the way that the nice Bolton survives is through norms. Okay. And if you're a family that doesn't have or respect norms, then just like the evilest person that's willing to like kill their older brother is going to win. Right. Right. Hmm. So you're saying that the nice one just has to be like, when you say respecting norms, what do you mean? Like, like if you're, if you're the Starks, let's say. Yeah. Rob is the heir. Uh-huh. But, like, let's say Bran is too young for this. Rickon. It's just it's hypothetically. Rickon. <laughs> right. Rickon is, like, a Bolton to his core and is like, hey, I want to be the leader. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Norms normally would be like, okay, you can't kill your family member. Oh, okay. Right. Right. But if, you're a, if your family history doesn't really respect that... And it's like, okay, he's just going to do it. I see what you're saying. I see. So a nice Bolton can't really exist because the Boltons don't really have a lot of norms. Right. And an evil one is just going to be like, yeah, I am going to kill that little guy. Right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the only the only way like a nice Bolton can, ex- can remain in charge is through like either just an insane amount of like carefulness or in some way enforcing these norms third option luke they're the only one what if the bastard of bolton was just a nice guy (laughs) obviously like this the tale we hear of him in the last book he seems terrible uh Mm -hmm. but what if he was the opposite of what he was in the last book what if he was just the (laughs) sweetest person and it was literally Bruce Bolton's only kid. Like it had to go to this guy. What do you think is happening in that situation? Ugh. Yeah. Like is he is he just saying oh, fuck it, we're done after me. I'm not passing on the house. <laughs> I'm burning the banner when I die and we're we're calling it quits cuz I will not let this kid ruin my legacy of being terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. You got to take some extreme measures. He sends people birthday cards. Who does that? true oh i don't think that that's going to be the case yeah considering what we've heard doesn't seem like uh, it no but maybe maybe it does seem like this is the the vibe of roose bolton the current head of the family very scary the little whisper move (laughs) yeah this guy i don't it always makes me wonder like what at a certain point, vibes have to be enough to discredit someone from being in your alliance. And I think Roose Bolton is definitely hitting those vibes 100%. Like, I am not mm-hmm. going to be, like, super comfortable with Roose Bolton as my ally. Right. And, like, maybe this is prejudice. I just, the vibes are so wrong for me. His banner is him, tor- like, uh, uh, someone being tortured. No. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I want to keep us on something related to this, actually. Okay. So, speaking of, like, people whose vibes are all off and seem to be not great, mm-hmm. I'm starting to wonder, do the slavers seem too evil to you, Luke? <laughs> because... They're pretty bad. Because they seem like the actual worst. Like, any time I think they can't get any worse with, like, what they do, do or like how they interact with people it's like oh no 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 they're also like stapling children to signposts to tell danny where to go and then i'm reading i'm reading when danny's outside marine 
and she's like talking about what the slavers are doing in there and at one point she's like yeah they're probably feasting on unborn puppies and like eating luxuriously while their people are starving and i'm like okay george i get it the slavers are evil and bad but you're literally having them be unborn puppy eaters at this point like what how much more evil can they get do you know what i mean i don't know if the i don't know how much lower we can go here there's no sympathy given zero like most of the other characters even that we're rooting against except for like joffrey it's like okay they're like like jamie in this section we start liking a little bit i think yeah yeah um and uh, the slate it's there's literally yeah you're right literally everything we know about them is negative and bad and i mean of a group of people that you want to be your evil characters like slavers are pretty good I think that's fine. I've got no problem with the slavers being the most evil folks around. But it's like so evil. It's it's just <laughs> so incredibly evil. Like, yeah, literally no sympathy for the slavers. Anything could happen. The Boltons could come in and flay all of them. And I'd be like, good. That's probably what they deserve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. I don't know. We like Danny, <laughs> and we got to keep liking her. Right. It makes Danny this like perfect character, right? It makes Danny like, yeah, of course you have to keep fighting these slavers. Why would anybody try to convince you otherwise? They're terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also think it's kind of uh, maybe this isn't great, but the thing that tipped me over the edge was Danny talking about them eating unborn puppies, and like that was the thing that led me to be like, are they too evil? And not the like nailing children to posts to indicate where the city was. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of I I know what you mean, and it feels weird to say that. But yeah, with the with the like delicacies that they're eating, it's just uh, that can't even be good. That can't be good. Earlier, I think that they're like talking about what meat that they eat, and it's like dogs and what we would consider pets. Yeah, and they like make fun of other what they call less civilized people for eating, like cows and, and cows pigs and stuff. stuff. Yeah, it's like come on, <laughs> grow up. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. I know. They're so evil. <laughs> um okay. I kind of in the same in the same vein or, or st- staying here in this area. I have kind of a weird question for you. Hmm. Okay. So these cities are extremely old mm-hmm. and seem like largely unchanged. Mm-hmm. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like I hear like 5,000 years that for something in that range. That seems reasonable to me. Yeah, I don't remember an exact number, but that doesn't feel out of the ballpark. And so thinking of like the way that we live currently in our actual world, mm. I feel like we're in a very unique circumstance where relatively short histories or like Things that happened not that long ago are drastically different from our current lifestyle, right? Yeah. Whereas in this book, and especially in this circumstance, there's like history that happened 5,000 years ago, but the like city and maybe culture is like fairly similar. Does he think that takes away from some of the like cool aspects of like history? Do you know what I mean? Interesting. This also, I was also thinking about this a little bit with Bran. Yeah. When he goes to the night fort and he's like talking about all of these things that happened, I think ranging from like pretty long ago to only like 300 years ago or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like. And those also, it's like a very similar thing. Like you guys are almost in the exact same cultural setup. Yeah. But like these crazy things happened. Is it super cool to be there and see the place or is it? I don't know. That's it. Do you know I, what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like the history doesn't seem that like the stories are cool, but the like everything else is basically like, oh, that could have happened like last week. 
Like there's not there's nothing right. that's that crazy about this thing happening. It's very easy to relate to it because it was like, yeah, it was just like swords. Everybody had swords and there were houses and banners and all this stuff. And like, it makes it almost too easy to put yourself in the situation. Whereas if you go back like a thousand years in our history, it's like, yeah, people had to ride horses everywhere and died all the time from disease. And like, it's very different. It's very foreign to like our current reality like our existence uh mm. i wonder if part of it is because like the technology hasn't really changed in the universe that george Mm -hmm. has created over a long period of time and i wonder how much that drives cultures to change i mean i'm assuming i'm assuming a lot and this this is getting maybe more serious and and (laughs) I think we might be more out of our depth as non-historians, but I imagine like in our actual world, there were time periods for several thousands of years that things did not change that much. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What about this, Luke? What if they've just been constantly rewriting history? Okay. What if things were super different? And they just are are putting it in a setting that's more understandable to people. It's like it's like when people do a modern interpretation of Romeo and Juliet. I think like Leonardo DiCaprio was in one of those recently. Maybe not mm-hmm. recently, but mm-hmm. you know, a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> and they're just like they're just like retelling the story in a modern setting, so people can understand it. But things were like maybe things were crazier back then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But since a lot of this yeah. is like an oral I mean, tradition, they can just be like, yeah, they had swords. Uh, there's this word gun in the history, but I don't really know what that means. So I'm assuming it's a bow, <laughs> crossbow or Probably something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say there are big differences. Like the wall gets built. Mm-hmm. And that's like a big, very different thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you would not imagine, I think, someone building the wall. Right. Right. Well, I don't know. And there's, like, Valerian steel. Like, there are artifacts. Yeah. um, Yeah. And, like, dragons, things like that. Yeah, so there's a few things that are different. It It really gives people a lot more ground to stand on when they say they had been born in the wrong generation. You know what I mean? Like, if you're in Westeros and you want to claim that, it's like, you know what? You you actually might have because being around dragons would have been way cooler than this. Right. Or right. like, yeah, I would have loved to see the wall being built. That would have been really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's I, I don't know. I don't know if it makes that big of a difference. I feel like probably, but. Yeah. I don't know. Who can say? Not us. That's who. Uh, can we talk about Joffrey's wedding? Yes. So I want to start at breakfast. Okay. Tyrion gives Joffrey a gift. Mm-hmm. And the gift he gives Joffrey, his nephew, who they have a very contentious relationship and who he knows very well of what he's into. The gift he gives Joffrey is a one-of-a-kind history book. Incredibly valuable, one-of-a-kind history book. Like... You had to know what was going to happen, right, Tyrion? This is a good point. This is a good point. Because, like, okay. On its own, in a vacuum, very good gift. Very cool. Yeah, totally. And everyone around the table says it. Everyone around the table is like, wow, this is a fantastic gift. Way to go, Tyrion. Right. But what's important about being a good gift giver is choosing a gift that's appropriate for the person. Correct. And this is an extremely inappropriate choice. For so many reasons, yeah, yeah, I do. I do think that Tyrion deserves some blame for this. Especially, yeah. I I feel like if I am just a person in this universe, I am also like Tyrion. What the fuck? Like, I'm a little bit mad at Tyrion because this book is like an artifact that he gives right Joffrey, and there's like four of them in the whole world. And you know what? You knew he was going to send it through the the shredder immediately. You knew that. Here's my take. Here's my take, actually, about this. These gifts are all too nice. (laughs) It's it's. I forget because I think they do give them gifts as a like couple later. I don't think we. I think maybe it happens. Well, I guess it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But it's supposed to happen. 
Can you imagine all the custom monogram towels that are now getting burned because Joffrey died? <laughs> These gifts are so good. Yeah. They are. I mean, really I get good. like like Tywin's is because he's going to give him a, this anyway, I think. Yeah. And this is like the right time to do it. Mhm. But all the other gifts are just like, these are incredible to give as something that doesn't seem to matter that much. Yes. Yes. I mean, we have talked about this in the past of like, part of this is demonstrating the wealth of these places. Right. And so giving a gift is like a political move. Um, Not Tyrion's gift, though. Maybe, Maybe it's because of like Joffrey. But this the the gift giving ceremony part of it doesn't seem that important. Like I do agree mm. that in a lot of these kind of circumstances, you're giving a really nice gift to demonstrate how rich or whatever mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. It just seems like the way that I read this scene, they a lot of the gifts were like super nice, but the overall thing was kind of an afterthought. The the it's very casual, right? They're all out at brunch and having mimosas, yeah. and then they pass gifts around the table to the like birthday <laughs> person, and they're like, "Open yeah. mine," and it's like, "Uh, this gift is worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars." <laughs> right. What? What? Is, what? Right. It seems like there should be more of like a ceremony and an audience for this kind of thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Or like or like the person giving it needs to there needs to be a ceremony for each gift. That's how nice these gifts are. And a story to it's go with like, it. Right. It's not like here just open it. <laughs> it's in one of those like gift know. bags with the tissue paper on the top. <laughs> right. It's a golden bow. It's super cool. <laughs> right. There's like there's like super intricate like a super intricate saddle, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, bring up the dude that made the saddle. Let him tell his life story. Go through all of the stitches. That's how nice this thing is. What are you doing? Don't just drop it off. <laughs> and Tyrion's, Tyrion's, the guy later on is like, hey, I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> that was one of four. That needs to be in the intro to the game. Right, like that open with part that. Yeah. Well, especially, ooh, Actually, this makes this is a great point because let's consider the fact that Joffrey and Tyrion might not have the best relationship. And like Tyrion giving him a gift at all is kind of a like nice thing to do, right? Like Tyrion could have given him a shitty gift, but a passable gift, right? Like, oh, here's a sword I had made for you, or here's a cool dagger or whatever, or sweet pair of Air Jordans that would have just been like a generic expensive gift but instead Tyrion went to the like effort of getting like a one-of-a-kind gift that like Tyrion really thought was important and valuable and he just kind of drops it off and he's like oh this is yeah this is the four kings by whatever his name it's a book yeah it's like if you talk that up a little bit to say how valuable it was maybe there could have been a little mending of bridges here between the two of you right Maybe maybe Joffrey, maybe that was the love Joffrey was looking for, and he would have heard that and been like, <laughs> oh, you do kind of care about me, Tyrion. Thanks, bud. Right. Like, oh, oh, that's very thoughtful, actually, this, now that I think about it. This means a lot to you, and you gave it to me. Wow. Thanks. You know, I've completely changed because of this. Thanks, Tyrion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be a good king now. <laughs> it's all Tyrion's fault. That's our take here. I'm sick of it. Yeah. <sighs> Um, okay you said you wanted to start with breakfast did you want to go somewhere else afterwards oh i mean we need to go we need to go to the feast okay the food you mean we need to talk more about the food and specifically our 77 courses because some of these are a problem (laughs) honestly these are there were so many that i i I kind of brushed past them uh i took note of a couple that i think we need to talk about first good luke one of the dishes, peacocks served in their plumage, roasted whole and stuffed with dates. You can't do that. You can't. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, there's a reason we pluck birds, y'all. <laughs> if we didn't have to pluck the birds to eat them, we, we wouldn't. We just wouldn't, guys. It's a lot of effort to do. <laughs> and I get it. Peacocks, their feathers are super cool looking. You can't just leave them on for the presentation. Okay. Okay. Hang on, though. Because logistically, mm-hmm. you're cooking it. Correct. To keep to keep the presentation of the plumage, mm-hmm. you got to go pretty low temp, I assume. They're roasting these birds, Luke. Is it? But then are the feathers just burned? The feathers have to be the crispiest, saddest little things. Like, it's, this thing's got to look like a freaking porcupine, okay? <laughs> Who? So, okay, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Cersei was like, hey, for one of the courses, you know those birds that have the incredible tail feathers? And the chefs are like, oh, peacocks. Yeah, yeah, those are a little hard to source, but we could probably find a few of those. Cersei's like, okay, great. And I want the feathers on them still. Because otherwise, like, why do, why not just get a turkey? You know what I mean? Like, right. let's leave the feathers on. And the chef's like, uh, <laughs> you want the feathers on? Oh, could we glue them back on after? <laughs> no, you want them in the plumage. Right. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm going to put my best sous chef on that. Uh, Charlie, get in here. Yeah, Charlie, you're in charge of the peacocks. So, Cersei, anything you got to do about the peacocks, talk to Charlie. He's going to be responsible for that. Okay, bye. And the head chef is out because no way he's taking responsibility for this abomination when it comes out. Right, right. Is there... Okay, here's my actual question. Mm -hmm. Is there anyone in the room eating the feast, participating in the event, that is like, what the fuck are we doing with 77 courses? I mean, Tyrion says that a few times. Okay, actually, actually, let me let me rephrase. Is there anyone that's not thinking that? Ooh, that's just hype the whole time. <laughs> because it's like, if I go in there, it's like, okay, I literally, if I want to even do any of this justice, I genuinely have to eat a single bite of everything. I cannot eat more. Yeah. You know what's really tough about this, too? Is if you find something that you really like, do you make the commitment right. to eating it? Like, actually, okay, no. Here's the here's the tough thing. Do you know the dishes in advance? No, I can guarantee you it's a surprise. There's no way they're giving people a like, menu. It's like okay, dish ten is really good. Do I want to eat more of it? Yeah, yeah. This would be so stressful, right? <laughs> I'd be like, dude, these mashed potatoes are the best mashed potatoes I've ever had in my whole life. Uh, I only had one bite, but I don't want to let them pass by. But then again, there's 50 courses still. Right. So like, what if there's something even better? I would be paralyzed by here's, a decision. Here's the move. I think you got to go strategically. Okay. You've got to get a group of, let's say, four people. And you don't taste everything. Yeah. But if someone tastes something really good, it's mm-hmm. like, this is this is a good one. Let's get eat more of this one right for the table please for the table (laughs) that way that way you don't have to waste all you don't you don't have to taste every dish this is perfect you get some intel this is perfect you taste one in every four dishes Mm -hmm. and you're relying on your your taster buddies to clue you into what's good yeah this is a Tyrion strategy for sure This is a this is a way Tyrion and Sansa could have bonded. And it's a real mistake. Yeah, but like she wouldn't have been into it. So True. True. It would have been kind of one sided. And plus Tyrion isn't gonna be able to trust her to be like, hey, this is actually really good. Because she's just not gonna say anything. Right. True. That's a that's a huge risk, I think. You gotta pick your you gotta pick your team pretty carefully. Yeah. Yeah, and mm, you do have to find people with similar taste to you right because like sure it tastes like cheetos but like i could just eat cheetos like i don't need to try more of this i'm here for an experience okay this is really expensive trust me i know (laughs) yeah yeah it's a big it's a it's i don't know uh i'm 
if you go in with a strategy, it'll 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 help for sure. Yeah, they needed to prep for this. Uh, speaking of something that they prepped for, but probably didn't turn out too well. And another food that I want to talk about is this fucking pigeon pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's one thing for it to be like a thing that happens and like a spectacle. It's another thing for people to literally eat it afterwards. The pie is covered so, in pigeon shit. The pie is covered in pigeon shit because you've trapped a bunch of pigeons inside of it for like an hour at least. <laughs> and they've been like eating the... Like, <laughs> this is not food. This is a cage that you've served. <laughs> right. <laughs> Honestly, I had I hadn't considered that you have left them you've trapped them in there because because you would be worried about when they fly away if they're pooping on the top which they're for sure doing too like they're nesting in the rafters you're not going to catch them and get them out the building they are pooping on your guests during the feast which Tyrion does mention at one point but nobody mentions the fact inside they're also pooping right i i hope i hope that there's something planned here where there's like a little cage in there that's separate. And that's why you have to cut it with a actual sword. The Valerian steel sword. Yeah. Maybe they put some newspaper down, you know, <laughs> as like a barrier. They, they figured something out, I think. I think it's weird. I like that. I It seems like there's actual pigeons mm-hmm. cooked into the. It's just a weird dessert. Is it? I don't think it's a dessert. I, I was picturing more of a pot pie. I mean, maybe, but I, I'm assuming that's the case, but still. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you here. I also think people should be much more skeptical of the fact that the wine was what poisoned Joffrey and not the clear food mm-hmm. hazard that he was eating right before. Right, right. Like, bird flu is real, y'all. That's true, and it happens very quickly. Incredibly quickly, yeah. <laughs> You should all be scared. Oof. All right. That's all the wedding talk that I had. I wanted. I had to talk about the food. Sure. I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Always gotta talk food. Mm-hmm. I I do one quick food thing. Yeah. I do appreciate that we're getting a lot of. There's a lot of almond milk, which it's good to see the roots of almond milk. Right. This is where it comes from. Thanks, George. <laughs> Thank you, George. I feel seen. Um, okay, the, the last thing that I have, actually, is just Littlefinger's chaos Oh, is just incredible to behold. That his, like, he did this whole thing, and Sansa's talking to him, and she's like, I thought that you kind of liked Tyrion, and, like, what do you get out of killing Joffrey? Mm-hmm. And his reasoning is literally just like, sometimes you got to do some crazy stuff. (laughs) You got to do some crazy shit. (laughs) And just like, with no ulterior motives. Just sometimes you got to stir it up. Okay. Incredible. Okay. I think there's two options here, which it's important to acknowledge. The first is that he is being honest and he's just a psycho. And he's just Mm -hmm. like... He's way wilder than we thought. Right. The second is he's just lying to Sansa because he's got, he does have like a reason that he's doing all this stuff, but like, he's not going to tell Sansa Stark his master plan. Sure. I lean much more on that side of things where he does have a plan here. It's just, he's telling Sansa he doesn't and that he's, he's a little bit crazy so that they don't (laughs) suspect him, you know? I, d- I think it's a little bit of both. Mm. Like, I feel like part of it is that he's just like, I, I'm going to do something that's going to disrupt the current system in some way. And, and, I, and I'm guessing that he has like some contingencies where he's like, because c- it's impossible to predict what happens next, basically, right? Right, right. It, it sounds like you're saying he's gone full Joker. He's gone full Joker mode. <laughs> Where he's like, we're just going to burn it down. I don't even necessarily think that. 
Ugh, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually, I actually kind of lean towards believing him when he says this. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent convinced he has a plan. Like, I do think that there is a good chance he is legit doing this kind of thing, especially because it's clear. He's kind of like very into Sansa in a weird way. Right. Like it seems like that might be a big motivating force for him. And this is like instrumental to making that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that he has a certain amount of belief that if he just like tears down other people that he's that doesn't really affect him, it'll rebound to his benefit in some way right right like reverse karma in a way yeah yeah which who knows maybe maybe he is a money guy i don't know he knows how money works like <laughs> big money guy oh yeah it's crazy it's crazy out there it is crazy out there uh speaking of crazy out there what do you think the moment was like when davos learned joffrey died <laughs> because i imagine it was a little something like this hey uh davos we got a letter in from king's landing well, that's kind of crazy you want to read it and davos <laughs> is like i am getting pretty good at reading let me check that out before i talk to the king oh no <laughs> oh why did i say that why did i say that before about the king still being alive oh no yeah. Is this common knowledge? Does, is everybody hearing about this or is, is this still kind of <laughs> quiet? No, everybody's definitely hearing about it. Oh, uh-oh. It was kind of bold, I will say. When, when for one thing, as we've talked about, he's seen a lot of evidence of the power of the Relor or whatever, yeah, however you say the Lord it. of Light, yeah. And earlier, <laughs> the two like kings that she says are going to die, or two of the three, and he's like, the third one hasn't yet. <laughs> so until maybe if the third one dies, then sure, everything you're saying works. <laughs> it's risky. And his backup for it is like, well, the Lord of Light didn't kill them. They did die, but like, come on. <laughs> Especially when, and this is a, kind of another point where it's like, how much agency was actually in this from, or, or how much did the, burning of the leeches actually contribute to it or was it for show right yeah which yeah. i'm assuming it's more like she saw this happening in the this is going to happen in the flames and she took this opportunity right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which like if you're davos you have to know like hey this lady can kind of see the future <laughs> i know i don't know why he's ever betting against this woman yeah like if she's taking a strong stance on something she probably knows dude <laughs> Like, I'm not playing poker with her, ever. Right, right. Definitely not betting on big events in the world. No. And that she seems very confident in. <laughs> to give him credit, uh, I feel like in the moment, he was running out of options on how to mm -hmm. get Stannis to not murder this kid. And he was like, right. Yeah, but there's one still alive. Hmm? Gotcha there. Because he knows Stannis is a bit of a rule follower. That's true. A bit yeah. of a stickler for the rules. So he was like, technically, still one king around. <laughs> so I get that it was like a move out of desperation. But still, oh, big gamble here. Big loss for Davos. Yeah. Yeah. We do love Davos, though. Mm. We do. We do love Davos. Um. Last week I mentioned I needed it. We needed a new Dario. Mm, yeah, I think I've refined my Dario a little bit. Okay, Dario, Dario is still I think a fuckboy, but not the fuckboy that we presented last week. Mm -hmm. He's the fuckboy that goes to the club on the weekends and has like tight leather pants and is like too friendly with everyone at the club. Okay. Maybe he's got slicked okay. back hair. Probably does sloppy steaks at Trefani's. <laughs> you know, a real piece I don't of even shit. Know what that means. <laughs> but I love it. So okay. yeah, yeah. So uh, 
I do I do need to make that correction for Dario. If y'all out there have an idea for who Dario is in our world and wanna wanna add a correction, feel free to let us know. We'd love to hear who you think mm-hmm. Dario is. Um tweet at us, get at the subreddit, you know where to find us. Yeah. I do think that this one is closer. I like this one more than the previous one. I agree. Yeah, we're we're slowly refining our Dario. <laughs> That's right. Um we'll get there. We'll get there. This one's a good this one's a, this one's a good option. Yes. Yes, I agree. And Luke, we're going to finish the book next week, so I imagine we'll get an even clearer picture. Oh yeah. Of an even clearer picture of of Dario and his vibe. Um but until mm-hmm. then, we'll be coming up with hot takes and being dumb nerds. Mm-hmm.